look, I'm chief of sinners, I'm, I'm someone who, who don't deserve to be part of God's plan, but yet here I am. And so it doesn't matter what your past is like, you can be a part, part of God's plan. And one takeaway from that message was God's plan is bigger than your past. God's plan for you is bigger than your past. And, and, and you've got to uh, understand that. It doesn't matter what you've done, God still wants you a part of what he is doing. Last week we talked about how you matter to the church. In order for the church to get to the place to be where the, the, the radiant, beautiful bride of Christ, uh, we all have to, as believers, work towards unity and then maturity. We need to protect that unity. We need to pray for one another. We need to, uh, and he goes on through with, uh, with Ephesians chapter 4, um, with lots of things that we can do to, to protect that unity. But before maturity can come, we have to have that unity. And you know, it's the same way in marriage. You know, before that maturity can come in marriage, that unity has got to be there and has got to be protected at all costs. And so this week, uh, we're going to answer that question, do I matter, by uh, you matter to your family. You matter to your family. You know, in the family unit, everybody has a role. Everybody has a role in that family unit. And God has designed um, a, a plan, a structure uh, for the family in, in God's Word, and we're going to be looking at that, uh, at that today. And um, even with his, his family of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, those three parts of the Trinity, uh, those three parts are unified into one. But they also have various roles that they play. You know, God himself did not come, you know, down as his being and down the cross. He sent his Son to die on the cross, but yet he's still part of the Trinity, three in one. And so just even God's family is an example of, of what our family should be like. We should be unified. Uh, we see that in, in, in marriage. You know, when, when uh, a man shall leave uh, his father and mother, be united with his wife. And we see that, that unity there uh, in the family unit and then when kids come on board. And so it's important um, that we understand our roles for that. So when people get those roles mixed up, it's usually because two things don't happen. People in the family unit, they don't respect and they don't respond. They don't respect and they don't respond. It's very important that we respect the roles of others in our family. For instance, children, kids, teenagers. The kids are not to run the family. Although 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids probably think they can run the family better than us adults, right? Yeah. But, but they should not be running the family. That's not their job. That's not their role, and so they need to respect the parents' role in running that family. And when they don't respect that role, then there's dysfunction in the family. Another thing um, that can cause dysfunction is not only uh, disrespect, but also not responding. Not responding. You know, we, uh, we have uh, roles spiritually as well. Uh, I believe that um, according to what the Bible says, the, the husband needs to be the spiritual uh, leader of the house. And the children and the moms uh, and the mom needs, need to uh, respect that. 
Now, at the same time, we can also look at that um, not responding to God's, uh, to God's call in the family unit uh, to be that leader can cause problems as well. If a husband or a father in a family is not the spiritual leader, there's a void of leadership. And when there's a void of leadership, then, of course, somebody's going to step in and be that leader. Well, who's, who's going to be that leader? It's probably going to be the mom. Or if both parents aren't that spiritual leader, who's going to step up? Well, it's probably going to be one of the kids, probably one of the older kids. You know, I've had, I've had students on the football team uh, here at Woodland High School who, who, uh, who come to me after I, I give a talk or pray with the team and says, you know what? I'm going to bring my family to church. We're going to come to church. And I was like, you're personally going to bring them? He says, if I have to, but we're going to come to church. And guess what? They came to church. So that, that young man stepped up and, and was a leader in his family. So we need to we need to respond to God's call of leadership as, as men and, and as husbands and as fathers. We need to respond to God's call, his structure, and be that spiritual leader. And at the same time, moms, wives, respect that opportunity. Respect your husband as a spiritual leader. And um, obviously, if that is not happening, pray for him and step up in leadership but if your husband is leading any at all, like, hey, let's go to church, okay? Or, hey, let's read the Bible. And if your husband doesn't seem like, you know, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to pray? What am I supposed to read? It's okay. Allow your husband to lead. Allow your husband to lead. Respect that. Even if you think, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if he's going to do this right. Give him a chance. Allow him to lead. Because let me tell you, when the father leads the family, the whole family follows. We see that in church. In almost every case, you get the father here, you get the whole family. Because when the father leads, everybody follows. And so I want to encourage you to understand respect and respond. And so that is how we can uh, understand God's call uh, to, uh, to his plan of the family. So like, <clears throat> what does it look like to respond? What does it look like to respond uh, to God's plan? Well, we see that in Ephesians chapter 5. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read the, read the uh, entire chapter. And, uh, and if you don't have your copy of God's Word, we have it on the screen. We also have it on the YouVersion Bible app. You can go there as well. But Ephesians chapter 5, we, uh, we're going to start here with verse 1. And um, we, um, we've already gone through chapters 1 through 4. And, of course, next week we'll be uh, in chapter 6. So ver uh, verse 1, uh, chapter 5, says this, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children... And walk in the ways of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So basically what he's saying is this. We are to be <clears throat> imitators of God. We are to be like God. We are to be imitators of him. You know, we see this in our children, in our kids. You know, our kids say, hey, dad, I want to be just like you. 
To some, dads are like, hey, that's great. Some dads are like, whoa, <laughs> I better watch what I'm, what I'm saying, what I'm doing. You know, of course, that's all of us. Uh, you know, I've got, I've, I have had uh, some of my kids uh, say at one point in their life, hey, I, I want to be like you, dad. And so that, that really humbles me and under, makes me understand that they are watching. They want to be imitators of their father or they want to be imitators of their mom. And so um, with that, we can be imitators with that same way we can be imitators of God, just like our children are imitators of us. So we want to become like God and we want to be uh, just like him. In, in uh, the next few um, few verses, we see how Jesus lived. How, was, how did Jesus become like his father in heaven? In verse 3, he says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For all of this, you could be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So don't be partners with people who, who are greedy, who are, who are idolaters, who put themselves in front of others. Uh, don't be like those who are caught up in sexual immorality. And sexual immorality has all kinds of examples of sexual immorality. And so don't be caught up in that. So that is the way Christ lived his life. And so we can look at that and say, you know, I'm going to live as, as a father and ladies as a person and as a mother. And I'm going to live my life with that example of Christ. And uh, that is how I can become an imitator of God. And so the more we read about Jesus, the more we talk about Jesus to others, the more we pray to Jesus, the more we spend time with him, then the more we can become like him. My children, my boys will not become like me if I uh, don't allow them to spend time with me. You know, periodically, I'll do some things around the house, and when I do those things around the house, I'll invite some of my kids to come help me. Why? So they can spend time with me and that they can learn how to do certain things. And when I just don't feel like doing them anymore, they could do it, <laughs> right? Amen? Like mow the grass, all right? And so, that our, but our children become like us because they spend time with us. And so, but let's walk a little bit deeper, and, and this follows right on through to the rest of the, the, uh, this book, or this chapter. How do we become imitators of Jesus? So what does that look like besides what we just read? We are to walk in the light. So we respond, we respond to the, the pressures of fatherhood by walking in the light. Walk in the light as Jesus was in the light. In Ephesians uh, 8, verse 14, just the next few verses, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, 
and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You know, as men and as fathers, we need, to, we need to rise up. We need to wake up and understand that we need to walk in the light. Because if we walk in the light as Jesus was in the light, then we're going, our light that is inside us is going to expose things the evil, the darkness that is around us, even the darkness that's in, the, that's in our family. If you, if you never are in God's word, or if you're in God's word just very, very little, then you're going to have little understanding of what is light and what is dark. But the more you get God's word in your heart, and the more we spend time with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit rises within us, gives us power, the same power that was in the resurrection, and we have the light of Christ in us, and the darkness around us is exposed. And that's how we walk in authority as godly men and as godly fathers. We walk in that authority because the light is shining within us. Even when we don't even realize it, the light is there. And so how do we become imitators of God? We walk in the light. Another way we we become imitators of God is that we uh, we walk in wisdom. We walk in wisdom. It says uh, right there in verse 15 through 20, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So let me just stop right there. So he's saying we need to walk in, in wisdom. We do not need to be walking in ways that are foolish. And guys, we all know what foolishness looks like. We all know what that looks like. And so if we want to be imitators of God, we need to be able to walk in, um, in ways of, of the wise. And he just gives an example. There's lots of examples that he could have put in there if this Bible was written even now today. But we all know what those foolish ways are. Not just about getting drunk and, and going to parties and, and all that stuff, but, but even things in our life that no one knows about. Those things are making us less and less like Jesus, less and less like an imitator of God. An imitator of God. Uh, another thing we're supposed to do is not only a walk in the light, but we are to walk in the wisdom and walk in the spirit. Right there at um, verse 19, we are to walk in the spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to, uh, to share what God is, 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 um, is speaking to you. If we're walking in the Spirit, what that looks like is this. We spend time with God, either we're driving in the car rather than listening to, to the radio the whole time. We're driving in the car. We're praying, maybe listening to some great music, maybe even listening you know, to, to a sermon or whatever that is, or maybe listening to God's Word on your phone. But you are able to listen and get that word of God in your heart and spend time with him. And what happens is that we 
uh, are walking, begin to walk in the Spirit because we are being filled with the Spirit constantly. And the more spirit we get inside of us, the more of that, then the more of that spills out into others and onto our family, onto our wives. And so we want to be able to walk in the spirit. And the more you do that, you'll realize that things of the spirit will come out of you. Like you'll say, you'll, you'll give examples in God's word uh, that deals with the situations within your family. Well, we're facing a situation, but in God's word says, oh, you're, you're facing this situation with your friends, with your relationships. Well, I'm going to encourage you that God's word says, because you've heard it. Or the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you, and, and maybe you write it in a journal, or maybe you remember some things, and maybe God, the Holy Spirit would say, share this with your family. Share this with your spouse. Men, fathers, husbands, don't be afraid to walk in the Spirit. Don't be afraid to walk in the Spirit. That is how we worship God. Jesus said, we walk in the Spirit, and we, we worship by, in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. This is the truth. The Word of God is the truth. We walk in the truth. That's how we worship Him. But we also worship Him in spirit. The now, what is happening. And so, men, I want to encourage you, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the authority of Christ as you are filled with the Spirit. So, Responding to God's plan, gentlemen, is huge. Responding to God's plan, God's calling your life, God's family structure for you to be a leader in that family. It, that, that's your role. And I know you're thinking, well, I'm here. I'm at church. Yes. Congratulations. That's awesome. But I want to encourage you. Take it a step further. Outside of this facility... I want to encourage you, Mondays through Saturdays, lead your family. Be that spiritual leader. In verse 10, it says this as we go back before we go forward. And find out what pleases the Lord. I say, well, Frank, what, what do I start with responding well, you just find out what pleases the Lord. You find out what pleases Him. It's like our children. We know what pleases us as fathers. Moms, ladies, we, we know what pleases us, with, what pleases you with, with your children. What pleases you? When they obey. When they are, are generous. When they are eager to learn. When they are grateful. Aren't we grateful you know, you spend money, you know, going to Disney World, and you're driving out, you know? And the last thing you want to hear is, why didn't we stay another day, you know? Ugh. You don't want to hear that. You want to hear, Mom, Dad, thank you so very much for taking us to Disney World. Even though we don't get to do it every, you know, 10 years, you know. Uh, but, but they're grateful for... What you do in their life, when we know that pleases us, when, when our kids are grateful, when they are generous, when they are responsible, when they want to spend time with us, can I tell you something? That is the exact way that we please 
God. The exact way. There's no difference. There's no difference. We please God when we are generous, when we are grateful, when we want to spend time with Him, when we want to, are eager to learn, and when we obey. So, God's plan, gentlemen, His, his role, or your role, is to be that spiritual leader. And so I want to encourage you, as what is in Ephesians 5, is uh, to step up and, uh, and be that leader and respond, just do something. Just do something. Respond. He's asking you to respond. It's all right there. So what's the second part? Just like I talked about in the introduction. What's the second part of, of this, of implementing God's plan? And that is respect. We need to respect the roles that we are in. You know, this past week, as I said earlier, our students went to New York City. And uh, we, uh, we participated and uh, we, we actually put on a sports camp. And uh, they're on Long Island. And Long Island is very long. We found that out. <laughs> but in, uh, in Medford, New York... <clears throat> At Calvary Baptist Church, uh, we had kids that came and uh, kid, homeless, literally homeless families that came and they were staying in a shelter, uh, but uh, they were part of it. We had uh, uh, some uh, ladies, so actually some adults get saved, uh, pray to receive Christ. We, uh, we built relationships. The pastor there at Calvary Baptist was able to connect with, with people who don't go to church and so he's able to do ministry, and so we were able to accomplish our goal there. But one of the things we were also able to do is uh, we were also able to go into, into the city, into Manhattan. And uh, I'm sure for those parents who have kids, I'm sure you've heard uh, lots of incredible, great stories and stories of the subway and everything we saw and everything. But I love, one of the things that I loved watching from our students and myself, was when we're outside on, the, on this busy street, and, and yes, everybody honks in New York. And I learned how to honk in, in New York and to raise my fist, you know, no, no fingers, but just raise my fist, you know. And, and so I was able to, you know, be a New Yorker, you know what I'm saying? And so, but I, I, I can see the kids just standing outside of this huge St. Patrick's Cathedral. This thing... I wish I could describe it, but, but I can't. And in the St. Patrick's Cathedral, on the outside, you see this magnificent structure. And so as the kids go inside, everybody's quiet. Nobody talks. And they're just in awe. It literally demands your respect. It literally demands your respect. This saying is unbelievable. This, this Catholic church, this facility, this, this building, this structure that honors God, it demands your respect. And so... 
I'm reminded that in, in a family structure that God has for us, that God built, God ordained this family structure. It demands our respect for one another. It demands our respect for the different roles that we play. How do we, how do we respect? Well, in Ephesians 5.21, it says, submit to one another out of respect for Christ. Submit to one another out of respect for Christ. And so, if, um, if we are to respect one another, we are to submit to one another. Submit to each other's roles. Respect the roles. In verses 22, all the way to the first uh, few verses of chapter 6, we see what that looks like. In Ephesians 22 through 24, it says this, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is a head of, of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is a savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. You know, another way of saying that, we find this, um, we find that very same thing in a different translation in the message. And it says this, wives understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. So when, wives, when you support your husband, you're actually supporting Christ. So also, um, the husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as a church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership of cherishing and leading and becoming that spiritual leader, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. And so wives, mothers, your role, your role is to honor and submit to the role of your husband. And here's the deal. And here's a fact, and I see this in my own household. Whether I'm right or wrong, I'm wrong a lot. But whether I'm right or wrong, and I say, we're, we're going to do this. And I get the encouragement and the support of my wife. The kids see that. The kids see that. That is huge. That is huge that they see their father in that way, as that leader. And again, if, if the father is responding to the call to be that, there's responding and there's respect. But moms, wives, I encourage you, when you support your husband, your kids are watching. What are the uh, roles of the father? In verse 25 through 33, it says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Just a reminder, Christ came and died for the church, was whipped and bled for the church. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word 
and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. If we hang out in verse 27, verse 27 is this. I don't know if you caught this. And to present her to himself as a radiant church. Let's hang out there for a minute. We're going to learn something from this. Christ sacrificed himself. Not just on the cross. His whole life was a sacrifice. He was a living sacrifice. He was a representation of what it says in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Let your life be a living sacrifice. The way he was a living sacrifice is that he was a man who did not sin. He did not sway to sin in his life. Why? Because he had to remain pure as a spotless lamb ready to be sacrificed for our sins. And so his whole life was a sacrifice for you to carry your sin, for me to carry my sin for the cross. And it says right there at 27, he did this to present, why? To present her, the church, to himself, to himself. Gentlemen, what can we learn from that? What can we learn from that? Well, we can learn it this way. Our wives are presented to us as a gift. Our wives are presented to us as a gift. When we, when we are married and we decide to get married and you go through the ceremony before God and others and you decide to walk in that life together and have kids, your wife is a gift. Your wife is a treasure. And what determines how that gift is presented? Back to us. What determines how that gift is presented? What determines the beauty or the value of that gift? It's how we treat and respond to our wife. It's how we treat our wives and how we respond to our wife. You see, just like Christ makes the church beautiful as a gift to himself, we, gentlemen, are to make our wives beautiful. We get back what we put in. She is a gift. Make her beautiful. If I were to tell you that every man here has been given a new car, okay? Let's say if you walk in the parking lot and every person out there, every man, there's a new Dodge Camaro sitting outside in the parking lot. That'd, that'd be a great Father's Day, right? I'd love to have a Dodge Camaro. It'd be awesome. 
You don't really know how much I need. Love that. Okay, it's awesome. So a Dodge Camaro or, or whatever sports car you want, or whatever car. Okay, hopefully, guys, you're not thinking of a minivan. If you do, we got issues. All right, we'll talk later. But but let's say if you, there's a Dodge Camaro that's sitting in the car waiting for him, and and that was a gift given to you, and you take that home, and let's say over the next several months, you do the following to that Dodge Camaro. You park it really, really close to other cars in the parking lot so they can, it can be dinged up, okay? Or let's say if you're eating lunch in there all the time and you're spilling things and not really cleaning it up, you know? You have things in your pocket that's ripping the seats out, you know, and stuff. You know, it, you're, you never change the oil and you never get it serviced. The tires are bald on it. And you get to the point to where you're like, all right, I don't want to drive this car anymore. It's not a great car. Well, the reason why it's not a great car for you to drive, and the reason you don't want to be a, uh, drive this car is because you haven't taken care of it. You haven't taken care of the car, even though it was a gift. Even though it was a gift. Gentlemen, your wife is a gift to you. And just like Christ was a sacrifice to present the church to himself, to present the church back to himself, we need to present our wives back to ourselves. You want to know why your wife may not look beautiful now? Because you don't make her beautiful. You don't make her beautiful. I'm not talking about the outside. Beauty comes from within. We all know that. You know why you're not interested in your wife anymore? Because you don't do things that interest her. You don't take care of her. You know why you want to trade in for a newer model? Because you haven't respected your wife. Christ died for the church for himself. We get what we put in. We get what we put in. You know, I'm I'm grateful and I'm humbled by the fact that right now in my life, I, I have, uh, our marriage is beautiful. And the reason why it's beautiful is because I, I try everything I can to put in and to invest beautiful things, respect and other things into my wife. You know, things could be, things could be really crazy and busy, and it could be a Friday night or Saturday night, you know, Sunday's on the way, and Sunday's like, oh, you know, lots of things to do. But taking the time to say, you know, I don't care what has to be done. I know this, I will spend time with my wife. So we'll escape, we'll go out to dinner or TCBY or whatever, you know. But 
The reason is not only because I love her, but I, I want to take care of her because she is a gift. And the more I take care of her, I get that back in return. So the family structure involves a husband and a wife responding and respecting. But there's another part to this family structure. Yes, kids, I'm talking about you. We see this in Ephesians chapter 6. We're just going to do the first four verses because this really should go with chapter 5. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. So, children, your role is to honor, to obey, to respect. And what's the promise? Long life on earth. You may live a long, prosperous life. And here's the reason why. Because if you're listening to your parents and obeying your parents and doing those things that they say not to do, then you're probably going to live longer and you're not going to make a bunch of stupid decisions. Right? Makes sense. So we do those things. We guide you so that you don't grow up and become a moron. I'm just talking like a dad. I don't really call my kids moron, but you know. But we get the idea. We don't want you to make bad decisions one after the other. So honor, respect, and obey your parents. And fathers, verse 4, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, that's, he's saying that to fathers. Obviously, you know, that could be for moms too. But I, I think being a, as, as a dad, it's much more difficult for, for, for dads to, um, to take that verse and truly live it out. So, fathers, that verse 4, take it home, read it, read it, read it. Pray over it. Love your kids. Spend time with them. Don't exasperate them. Don't put them down. Don't use them and abuse them. Don't use them to, for, for what you want to do. And, uh, and that right there is God's family structure. So we, we matter to our family. We matter to our family and the way that we are able to respond and respect one another is how we implement God's uh, family structure. And so, men, as you celebrate Father's Day, for those who are fathers, I want to encourage you. Respond to God. Respond to God. Moms, Wives, respect your husband. Allow him to lead. Just sometimes you just might need to step back and give him room to lead. I know when there's a, a void of leadership, it's easy just to step up, but just toss, toss in the ball, allow him to catch it and drop it sometimes. That's fine. But allow him to lead. And your family will be greater for it. Respect your husband. Husband, respect your wife.
kids, respect. So we need to respond and we need to respect. This morning, you might need to respond to the Lord. There might be some people here today, it's like, you know, Frank, I, uh, there's some things in God's word that were shared today that, yeah, uh, I need to take care of some things. I need to respond to God. I have not become the spiritual leader that I know I should be. I have not been treating my wife as if she's a gift back to me 